Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Anatomy and Physiology Bit by Bit. This is Dr. Steve Sullivan from Bucks County Community College, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Sorry it's been a while since I have posted. I've been really busy and uh, really kind of let this podcast go. Um, but, uh, But I'm back and I want to post up a couple of things for you. Today's episode is going to be maybe a little bit of a review of the last episode where I talked about the cell and specifically the cell membrane. Um, what I want to do is get a little bit more specific into membrane transport. So we're going to do a little bit of a review, um, but it'll help you, I think, to get more specifics on diffusion, osmosis, and carrier-mediated transport. So what you're going to notice is that the audio quality might change in different sections of the podcast because I, I tend to record things when I get a chance and I'm in different locations and the sound quality is really hard to regulate with the equipment that I have. So you might notice some changes. I hope it's not too distracting. Uh, I've been super busy again. I've been working on a project with a publisher um, for some digital tools for anatomy and physiology that maybe I'll be able to reveal to you at some point. But um, but in the meantime, I think it might help you to have this podcast. And then the next one is going to be about the cytoplasm, which I had promised in the previous one. And then we're going to move on and we're going to get into histology and, um, and the skin and the skeletal system and things like that. So thank you for being patient. I really appreciate it. It looked like over the last few months, uh, there's been a bunch of people who have been um, reaching out. Especially my new friend, Romaine, who's been listening in London, walking along the Thames. So I really appreciate you reaching out and asking for more episodes. So here you go. We're going to start off by talking about diffusion and osmosis, which a lot of people can get confused on because they're similar, but not the same. So uh, let's pick it up with diffusion and osmosis, and then we'll get into carrier-mediated transport. Let's start out by discussing concentration gradients, and then we'll get into diffusion and osmosis. Our cytosol and extracellular fluids are solutions. A solution is a given mixture in which dissolved substances, called solutes, are equally dispersed throughout a liquid, which is called the solvent. The reason why the solute is equally dispersed throughout the solvent is because particles, atoms, ions, and molecules are naturally always moving. So, solutes disperse themselves just by random motion. Since the body's fluids are mostly water, that's our solvent. The solutes can be anything from proteins to ions, carbohydrates, gases, and any substance that we utilize physiologically. The amount of solute dissolved in the solvent is called the concentration. Concentration can be measured in several ways, but we're going to focus on it as a percentage of total volume for each solute independently. For example, the cytosol of red blood cells has a sodium chloride concentration of 0.9% in water. Now imagine that the blood's plasma, the fluid outside the red blood cell, has a sodium chloride concentration of 1.5%. This is called a concentration gradient meaning the concentrations on either side of the membrane are different. Okay, now let's talk about diffusion. 
In physiology, diffusion refers to the movement of solutes in a solution from the area of higher solute concentration to the area of lower solute concentration. You'll sometimes hear this referred to as moving down the concentration gradient. Imagine the plasma membrane of our cells and consider that our cytosol and interstitial fluid each have their own sodium ion concentration. This results in a gradient. Those sodium ions are moving around on their own on both sides. But since the lipid bilayer is impermeable to ions, they just keep bouncing off and the concentration gradient never changes. However, if a channel protein opens and that channel protein is permeable to sodium ions, some of those random movements of sodium will be through the channel and onto the other side of the membrane. This is simply the laws of randomness and averages. Even though both sides are sending ions through that channel, naturally the side of the membrane with more sodium ions on it is going to send more sodium ions to the other side. It means that the net movement of solutes over any given period of time will be in the direction of lower concentration, or as I like to say, from high to low. Eventually, you'd expect to reach equilibrium, and the cytosol and interstitial fluids would have equal concentrations. But maintaining this gradient is actually really important to us, which is something we'll discuss in a separate video. Okay, so diffusion is the movement of a solute down its own concentration gradient. But what if the membrane remains impermeable to the solute, but is permeable to our solvent, which is water? That leads us to osmosis. Osmosis is the net flow of water from one side of a selectively permeable membrane to the other, and it is crucial to maintaining the body's fluid balance. Just like the solutes, the water molecules are always moving, and since our plasma membrane is permeable to water, they're allowed to move back and forth by way of channel proteins called aquaporins, as well as being able to fit through gaps in the phospholipids. However, when water molecules encounter a solute particle, like a sodium ion, the partially negative side of that polar water molecule tends to electrically associate with the positive sodium ion to form what is called a hydration sphere. Even though this is a loose, reversible attraction, it makes those water molecules less available to diffuse back across the membrane because they're attached to an impermeable ion now. More water molecules will get trapped on the side of the membrane that has the higher sodium concentration meaning that the net movement of water is from the side of the membrane with the lower concentration toward the side of the membrane with the higher concentration. So diffusion and osmosis isn't that difficult, right? So not too bad. Uh, remember, those are passive transport. So I'm going to segue that into carrier-mediated transport, which some are passive and some are active. Uh, and we're going to take a look at a couple of different versions of those. So here you go. Even though the lipid bilayer prevents many solutes from passing into and out of the cell, there are membrane proteins available that can carry these solutes across. They're called carrier proteins, and their mechanism is therefore called carrier-mediated transport.
Let's take a look at a few examples and how they work. Let's begin by reviewing the basics of membrane transport. Membrane transport is categorized by whether or not the cell is required to spend energy to move a substance across the membrane. If energy is required, we call it active transport. If it's not, it's passive transport. Whether or not the cell needs to expend energy is typically determined by whether solutes are moving down or up their concentration gradient. Examples of passive transport include simple diffusion, osmosis, and facilitated diffusion. These are all examples of solutes or water moving down their own concentration gradients, and that doesn't require any energy. Simple diffusion and osmosis don't even require carrier proteins. We're going to focus on the transport of impermeable substances that do require carrier proteins to move across the plasma membrane. This is called carrier-mediated transport. And there's a few different kinds. When a specific solute binds to a carrier protein in the plasma membrane, the reaction between the solute and the carrier results in a conformation change in the carrier molecule. That means it changes shape. And that new shape now exposes the solute to the other side of the membrane. Then the binding reaction reverses, releasing the solute but on the opposite side from where it initially bound to the carrier. When that solute is moving down its own concentration gradient, we call it facilitated diffusion. Because technically, it's diffusion, which is a solute moving down its concentration gradient. However, it requires the help of a carrier protein to facilitate the diffusion. This is one of the ways that glucose is transported, and it requires no energy to be spent by the cell. Now, carrier proteins can only handle so much solute at a time and can therefore become saturated. This means that all the carriers are occupied by bound solute, and no matter how much solute is still there, no more can be transported across the membrane at that time. That's called the transport maximum. Another type of carrier-mediated transport is primary active transport. In this case, solutes are moving up their concentration gradient meaning from low concentration to high concentration. Why would we do that? Well, it's actually really important to maintain the concentration gradients we have across the plasma membrane and across other membranes. We need it for things like generating nerve signals with sodium ions and making sure calcium ions are released for muscle contraction. The issue is that pumping solutes against their concentration gradients requires energy. It's like rowing a boat upstream rather than just laying down and letting the boat flow downstream. The energy that we use is transferred from a molecule of adenosine triphosphate, or ATP. Let's take a look at a common example of primary active transport, the sodium-potassium ion pump. In most parts of the body, sodium ions are in higher concentration in the interstitial fluid than in the cytosol at rest. The opposite is true for potassium ions, and it's important for us to keep it this way for reasons we'll explore in several organ systems throughout this course. The carrier protein of the sodium-potassium ion pump has a conformation that allows three sodium ions from the cytosol to bind to it. If ATP is available, it will also bind to the carrier, which removes one of its three phosphate groups 
resulting in adenosine diphosphate and phosphate bound to the carrier protein. The energy from this broken bond is transferred to the carrier protein, which changes conformation, allowing three sodium ions to be released into the interstitial fluid. While in this conformation, the carrier protein has two binding sites for potassium ions. So potassium ions take advantage of that and bind them. That binding causes the carrier to release the phosphate from the ATP and shift it back to its original conformation. Now the potassium ions are facing the cytosol and can be released into the cell. So three sodium ions are moved against their concentration gradient to the extracellular fluid, while two potassium ions are moved against their concentration gradient into the cytosol. Lastly, we have secondary active transport. This is carrier-mediated transport that does not directly utilize ATP, but it does rely on the conditions that primary active transport mechanisms have to create. For example, sodium ions can also move down their concentration gradient via facilitated diffusion with glucose, both of them moving into the cell. This is called co-transport. Since it's diffusion, it requires the concentration gradient across the membrane to be maintained by the sodium-potassium ion pumps. Therefore, we call it secondary active transport because it indirectly requires energy to be spent by the cell. All right, so that's a lot of different kinds of membrane transport. You've got passive, you've got active, you have carrier-mediated transport, and you have those that don't require any carriers. I hope this episode has helped uh, give you an understanding of what's happening across that cell membrane. It's really important because just about every single thing that your body does requires transport across the membrane. Thank you for your correspondence. Thank you for your support and for reaching out. And I will see you next time. Hey, don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Student Help for AP. That's the word student help, the number four, AP. There's a lot of tutor videos on there that I think could really help you grasp some concepts in AMP. And I also have an Instagram account and a Twitter feed with the same name. So check those out too. Anatomy and Physiology Bit by Bit is a production of Minus 55 Media, with a special thanks to Bucks County Community College for giving me a job doing what I love.